pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's like, what's the point of a rating if you're number three and you're going to be a two seed? Those are two two very different ratings, though. There are a lot of different ways to rate. One is the AP poll. You've got the USA Today poll. Then you have the net ranking, uh, which is based on predictive uh, metrics. And then you have the seeding of the field of 68 from 1 to 68. So those are very different ways to measure. ESPN has a power index that they use. CBS.com has a top 25 plus one that Gary Parrish does. So again, at the end of the day, those committee members will evaluate all of the data and and, and trust their observation of these teams and then rank them. And that's going to be the really interesting thing to me, guys, is so many, I mean, these teams are so great stuff, so clustered when you think about it. There has been some separation a bit at the top. Eight would be part of that group of six to eight teams that I think has really separated themselves from the others. But when you start getting into teams 15 through 45, I mean, it's going to really be a challenge, and that's why I think these conference tournaments coming up the rest of the regular season for those leagues that aren't done yet, and then conference tournament play is probably going to carry, I think, a little more weight than it has in the past in trying to differentiate some of these teams that are so um, closely clustered together. Now, I posted a question on my page today, who the people listen to the most as far as basketball voices yourself, Billis, Seth Davis, on and on, and you are winning the the poll right now, so I'm going to ask you if you had to see UD right now, are they in your top four or not? No, they would be on. The, they would be strongly on the two line with an opportunity to be on the four. Kansas and Baylor, Baylor has stumbled just a touch, but if they were to meet again in the conference tournament, I think um, that would determine um, who would be your overall number one seed. I think. Um, Gonzaga is right there and strongly on the one line. And I still have San Diego State there. Again, Dayton would probably be my fifth team uh, at this point in time with a chance if things broke a, broke a certain way maybe to, to move up to the one line. And, and quite honestly, one seed is really desirable. Two seed is great. But to me, it's, it's matchups and how you're playing and how healthy you are. Certainly there would be great prestige, and it would be earned if Dayton were to get to a one, but I don't find any shame in earning a real rock-solid number two seed either. Clark Kellogg with us here on the Kenner and Schlemmer Show. Uh, Clark, it's been interesting. Look, I think we're numb to Gonzaga's success. We're used to seeing that mid-major program, or throw that term out, but that, that middle-of-the-line program there just dominating mm-hmm. at the top with all the big boys. But still, with that being said, how refreshing is it to see programs like the Dayton Flyers and San Diego State and others who are, I mean, all punching with the big boys right there in the top five, top ten at this point? No, it's great. It's actually what makes college basketball so so appealing and so much fun, and it's wonderful to be a part of it. But you love to see really good people like Anthony Grant and his coaching staff and those young men have the kind of year they've had to this point. Same at San Diego State. These are programs that have tradition of success 
but they've taken it to another level this particular season, and it's always good to see that happen and unfold. Gonzaga's consistency for the last 20-plus years has been remarkable. It is hard to make the tournament, and I think sometimes we get a little jaded when we don't recognize and appreciate how hard it is to be part of the field of 68 and then to have a chance to be a top-four seed is another level of accomplishment. And then, obviously, if you perform well in the tournament, the uh, attention it brings you, the satisfaction it brings to not only the players and coaches but to their fan bases is uh, one of the special things in sports to me. But uh, it's fun when you see these types of teams that are uh, not perennially there to get this type of uh, – to have this type of success and to have a chance, I think, to be playing well into the tournament. I think – Dayton is superb, the best offensive team for my money in the country when you look at how they share it and score and how efficient they are. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how things play out once we get to the bracket. Look, I'm curious, your thoughts on team, or conferences like the Big Ten, you're hearing 10, 11 teams get in. Are you a fan of conferences getting that many in and maybe ignoring an East Tennessee or a right state that has 27, 28 wins? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, my bias would tend to tip towards the non-power conference schools, Mark, if I was in the voting room and there was a close call between an East Tennessee state, a Liberty, a team of that ilk, a New Mexico State versus a middle-of-the-road power conference team. But I wouldn't let that bias so lead me in terms of evaluating the numbers. You do have to factor in that those schools in East Tennessee State, those schools from the non-power conferences, don't have nearly as many opportunities to play tournament-caliber opponents. So you have to weight their schedules and see where they actually made an effort to play those kinds of teams. And then you have to trust your evaluation of what they've done. And you have to reward winning. When teams win at a high rate, they are more likely to be tournament worthy versus 500 or a tad above 500 in a power conference league. So... I think um, you just have to look at it objectively and weigh it. But I, my bias would tend to try to reward um, those teams, especially if they've gone on the road, because a lot of the times they have a tough time playing um, quad one and quad two teams uh, on a neutral court. And certainly a lot of times it's going to be virtually impossible for um, some of those schools to get the uh, caliber of opponent that you see in the tournament to come to their places. So I think you've got to somehow – factor um, that into the equation as you're uh, figuring out who should be in uh, in the tournament when you're comparing middle-of-the-road power conference teams versus very elite, um, typical one-bid one conference teams. Clark, when you look at, I mean, you look at the job that Chris Holtman's done with the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, dominating in the non-conference. They were at number one at one point, and then very similar to last year, stubbing their toe to start Big Ten play. The difference, though, from last year to this year is they've seemed to be able to dig themselves out of the hole that they put themselves in last year. Still making the tournament, um, yeah. but this year you look at right now, they, I mean, have all these top 25, you know, opportunities. I mean, they're in the top 25, but of course they're going to have Illinois tomorrow night. They've beat Maryland. They just beat Michigan. Right now, this team's rolling at the right time. No better time than now to 
start really catching fire. Just your thoughts on the job Chris Holtman has done and getting over losing a guy like DJ Carton and others and being able to rebound the way they have. It's been really pleasant to see, and Chris is fantastic. He's a high-quality guy and one of the best coaches in the country. We're really fortunate at Ohio State to have him. He was in a really good situation at Butler, but the appeal of Ohio State was something that he felt he wanted to step into, and we're thrilled that he has. He's outstanding. And he's worked through some adversity. I mean, every team goes through periods of difficulty, whatever the headwinds might be. It could be injury. It could be losing a player to uh, circumstances that are personal and take them away from the court, as in the case with D.J. Carden. But the Buckeyes are rounding into good form right now. And you know they, they'll be well-tested because of the quality of the league. Uh, got off to a great start. Uh, conference beat them up a bit. I thought Chris and his staff were kind of figuring out, trying to figure out with the young team rotations and how do we best win, how do we continue to grow our sophomores and get them to play at a better level. So all of that stuff has kind of started to work itself out in a good way. Um, But a team's journey is a season-long journey. It's not, it's a long season. And um, when you play in a league like the Big Ten, you're going to, but you're going to, you're very, it's very possible and probable that you will lose multiple games in a row, especially if you stumble at home once or twice. And that happened to the Buckeyes. It happened to just about everybody else in that league, too. So um, I'm happy to see where they are now, and I'm excited about their chances to continue to trend forward and do um, good work in the tournament. Clark, one of the questions that has been kind of an argument, not only with the people, the fans, the listeners, but some of the coaches around here, are you in favor, and I'm going to use UD as an example, they're on a pretty good winning streak, 17-18 in a row, they got Rhode Island tonight, George Washington this weekend, are you more in favor of, oh, they got to have them get a loss before the tournament, take the pressure off, or do you go the other way and go, hey, I want to win them all? I'm leaning. I lean more towards winning them all. I mean, more important than what your streak is is how healthy are you and how well are you playing. Because you can play well and get beat, particularly in conference play. You go on the road. Road wins are hard. I don't care what league you play in and how good you are. You see it across the country all the time. The unexpected Tennessee goes in the rough arena and wins a game. So I mean, again, that's part of the that's part of the unpredictability of it. So I'm much in favor of continuing to win. But if you do lose, learn from it and grow from it, and hopefully it helps you perform better the next time. But I don't think it's mandatory that you lose or necessarily a good thing. It's only good if you use it in a positive, constructive manner. And so that's my posture on it. Um, I like to see teams put together the streaks, and I love to see teams healthy and playing really good basketball and that's pretty much been the case for the Flyers virtually all season long I've never seen a loss I enjoyed yet as a coach or a player but (laughs) I got one question somebody sent in are you in favor of maybe getting rid of all the conference tournaments and just letting all the D1 teams in I don't know if that would be a problem or not no 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 I like the selectivity of it I like the fact that there's what we have 68 spots um, 36 at large, 32 are automatic bids, which give all teams an opportunity to win their conference tournaments. Everybody has a conference tournament now with the Ivy League coming on board a couple few years ago. Um, so, no, I like the fact that we've got 68 teams out of 351. So what is that, roughly 20% maybe? Thereabout. I like that. I like that. I mean, you should earn your way to the tournament. 
I don't think. I, but if you do expand it, I would I would venture to lean towards just everybody in versus trying to figure out another two or four teams. Um, I think the last expansion was fine with the first four, and now you've got a healthy percentage of teams that have a real that have a chance to be part of the madness. Um, but you need to earn your way there. Clark Kellogg with us. Clark, as we close things out here, you know, just a quick question regarding the Dayton Flyers to close it out. You have Anthony Grant, who right now is running for National Coach of the Year. Obi Toppin, potentially National Player of the Year. Who are your, who is your National Player of the Year, and who is your National Coach of the Year? Do either of those two fall into that for you? Yeah, I um, actually have been on record on the air the last few weeks saying that if I, you know, if I was voting, I'd vote Obi Toppin. I mean, his efficiency has been remarkable. His versatility is as good as there is for a wing player in the country. Obviously, you can't dismiss the success of the team. All of those things, to me, and he's had some pretty big moments in some big games. So those are the things that I look at. Clearly, you can make a case for Luca Garza. You could make a case, perhaps, for Marcus Howard, although Marquette has really struggled here a little bit recently. But I think there's enough gap. Miles Powell would be another guy in consideration. Peyton Pritchard's been great out of Oregon. You talk about important guys. Uh, Azabuki is unique because he's so big and impactful for Kansas. But for my money, and it has been this way for about the last five weeks for me, it's been Obi Toppin. And that would be my vote, and that's who I would claim as the player of the year. Coach of the year is a little more difficult to to grab hold of. It's a lot of times it goes to coaches that have exceeded expectations, but sometimes the expectations are off base. So, therefore, um, Anthony Grant clearly on the list, but you'd have to put Bryce Drew in there. Bill Self and John Calipari, to me, are always worthy of being considered in that loop. Mick Cronin, what he's done at UCLA in his first year there, is quite impressive. They look like a tournament team now after being written off for dead about six weeks ago. So um, there are a number of coaches that are worthy of that kind of recognition. And Anthony Grant, I haven't determined who I would vote for as number one, but he would certainly be on the list. When you, you mentioned Obi Toppin as your player of the year. We're not getting this here in Dayton, but of course a lot of people like to hate on Dayton because they're out of the A-10 and you, you have guys, I mean, I found this quote interesting from uh, Coach uh, Fran McCaffrey out of Iowa when he was talking about Luca Garza, pointing out the fact that, look, Luca Garza deserves the player of the year more because he's going up against better competition every night and mm-hmm. almost like trying to downplay the success that Obi has had because he plays in the, in the A-10 and does not go up against top 25 competition, especially since out of the non-conference. How do you respond to criticism like that? Like, what's your response that you just said Obi's your player of the year, but when people throw that in your face, how do you respond? Well, I think you have to look at it in context. Most coaches will definitely carry the banner for their program and their league, and so there's nothing out of the ordinary about that. I think A10 coaches would probably say the same if asked that question. So I look at it in context. Um, clearly, the Big Ten, in terms of quality of teams, top to bottom is a notch above the A-10, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Obi couldn't do what he's doing in the Big Ten. And so that's where I think you have to draw the line. Is this an individual player who has been so outstanding because he is extremely gifted and has produced at a high level and would warrant and merit being considered the player of the year in college basketball? Those boxes for me are checked strongly for Obi. Um, Luca's doing remarkable work and historic work in the Big Ten. 
So I would not have a problem if he ended up being the player of the year. It's not that personal to me. I'm showing, I share my opinion based on how I evaluate it, but it's not you have to love one and hate the other. I mean, I love them all and think they're all worthy, but only one can receive the award. And if I had a vote, my vote would be for Obi Toppin. So I don't necessarily get too hung up on that perspective that you just shared from France because it's normal. Um, and it's, um, it, has some, it has some reality to it, and it has some um, um, relevance. I mean, again, the Big Ten, Maryland, Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan. The eight ten team by team doesn't stack up to those teams, but again, that doesn't dismiss what Obi has done and how outstanding he's been this particular college basketball season. Final question for you, Clark. You just named off a whole bunch of blue bloods. You got San Diego State, Dayton, a couple other Cinderellas close to the top. If you had to put one blue blood in there that's going to come out of everything, who's it going to be? Oh well. Um, I'd probably lean Kansas. They, they're getting great point guard play from Devon Dotson. And the big fella, is a man, he's a handful now um, as a bookie. He's a tough guy to deal with um, because of his size and athleticism at both ends. And they've got good wings. So if I had to pick one of the power conference blue bloods, it would be Kansas. All right, Clark Kellogg, good enough to join us here on the Kinder and Schlemmer Show. Always great getting to talk college basketball with Clark. Uh, Clark, we got this sent in. I'm like, this is honestly the last question. Uh, you mentioned the big guy out of Kansas. Uh, we cover the Wright State Raiders here in town as well. They have a oh, big, big... yeah, I just checked out loud, yeah. boy. <laughs> so they have a good big guy of their own, man. Oh, yeah, no, no. And actually, they're on my list of a team to keep an eye on, along with Liberty and East Tennessee State. If Richmond is able to find their way to the tournament, I'm starting to compile my list of (laughs) double-digit seeds that could win a game or two, and Wright State is certainly on that list. They've got a nice – Scott Nagy has a really solid squad, and the big fella's a real deal. He's a hard matchup for just about everybody. All right. Clark, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Take care now. All right, good stuff from Clark.